Bokertov, good morning to all. We continue our Emuna Shir. We uh, don't have formal sponsors this morning, but we'll dedicate our learning to a continued Rafua Shlema for our dear friend Michal Yona Ben Leia. Should have a speedy and painless and full recovery. And uh, we continue to also very much have in mind our uh, beloved friend Baruch Tvi Ben Gabatya. Hashem should show him and his family kindness and love. We are in Be'amunah Suyichia, the Sefer of Revolba, about how our life can be informed and inspired, how we're only truly living if we're living with Amuna, if we're living a self-centered, egocentric life, if we're living a life in which we've edged God out, our ego is inflated, then we're not alive even, we're dead even while we're alive. We're dead even while we're alive. Be'amunah Suyichia, how do we find life, meaning, purpose, how do we find resiliency, endurance? How do we find the will to go on in life? It's be'emunaso yichyeh. It's by embracing a life of faith, a life of courage, a life of trust, a life of emuna. So we're going to go right into the text because we usually don't and then we only end up reading one line each week. So we'll start with the text and see where we go. We're on page Ayin Aleph on the bottom. This is Vad Yud. And the title of the piece that we are in the middle of is called Dvekas Vesimcha Beshlema Sa'emuna. Attaching ourselves to God and therefore finding joy when one is living a whole sense of emuna. Right? Till now we've been talking about the measure, the metric one can use to determine how our emuna is, is our anger. If we're quick to anger, if we lose our cool, if we get bent out of shape, if we become exacerbated, frustrated when, uh, when things don't go our way, then we think that we're in control and it's all about us. And if we find the capacity for patience and for flexibility and for forbearance, and for every other word that starts with an F, then it means that our emuna is fantastic because we realize we're not in charge, we're not in control. Kadosh Baruch Hu, the Ribbona Shalom runs the world. Life does not always go so smoothly. Life is not always so pleasant and pleasurable. Life is not always so comfortable. At times we endure, we live in life moments where God is hidden. We don't understand where he is, why things are happening the way they are. People suffer, struggle. They go through hard times, loss, pain. And it feels in those moments that Hashem is hidden. It feels in those moments that Hashem is invisible. Where is he? In those moments, it shouldn't be a conflict with Amuna. Those moments shouldn't challenge our Amuna. It's the opposite. We need the Amuna. We need to lean on it for support. We need it to uplift us. We need it to inspire us. We need it to know and believe that there will be a brighter day, that we will turn the corner, to know that there is a tomorrow, to know that whatever happens is not random, is not chance, but whatever happened is for a reason. The Pasuk we're going to read shortly in Bamidbar says, the greatest praise of Moshe is, his name, his title, his appellation is, Bechol Beisi, in all my home, Ne'emanhu. This is the source of what do we wish for a couple when they get married? They should build a? <coughs> a bias Ne'eman. What does that mean? Our hope, our dream, our aspiration for them is that they build a bias Ne'eman. What does it mean to wish for a couple that they build a bias Ne'eman? Moshe is described, Bechol Beisi, in all of my people, in all of my home, in all of my nation, in all of my world, says Hashem, Moshe is Ne'eman. What does the word Ne'eman mean? It's a great bakery. What else is Ne'eman? <laughs> it means trustworthy. Trusted, trustworthy, reliable. Ma'u Rashi's grandson explains, 
Kavua umiyusad kosha'a bayom. He is established, he is reliable, he is a foundation all hours of the day. He's not fickle, he's not someone who is going to, um, who's not reliable, it's not somebody who, who's going to change or not be there when you need him. He's not somebody who it's a fad and it's going to wear off. It's not somebody who is going to fade, but rather kavua, established, consistent, umiyusad. The Pasuk says in Yeshayahu, uskativ yased b'makom ne'eman, to plug, to put a peg in, in a place that is trustworthy. What does that mean? Yased a peg, hatakua b'makom chazak, eno m'maher lipol. If you hammer in a nail, and you hammer it in, a, a strong nail, and it's firmly planted or rooted, it's hammered in firmly, it's going to be able, you can hang something very heavy from it. A little nail, a tiny little nail, you put it in the wall, it's a little nail. It always, we don't hang things that often, when we do it always amazes me. You find a little nail, and you hammer it in on the right angle, and you take this heavy painting, I tell you, I don't go in the kitchen that often, but every time I do, I'm amazed that kitchen cabinets don't fall down. If you've seen the way my wife packs platters in a kitchen cabinet, it is probably, it's Mamasha Nes Nigla. It's a revealed miracle that kitchen cabinets do not come crashing down. I don't care how many screws you put in the wall, the weight, dishes and plates and crystal and, and uh, glassware and platters, and it's all packed, 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 packed. It's a miracle the whole thing doesn't come down. Why? Because a little, a little screw, a little nail, holds up the whole cabinet and all that weight. Because even when you have something small, but if it's put in in a way which is reliable, which is trustworthy, if it's firmly planted and rooted, even something incredibly heavy can hang from it. Says Ravol, but that's what it means, the description of Moshe Rabbeinu. That word ne'eman means firmly planted, rooted, foundational, reliable. Not something which is flimsy or flexible, not something which is a fad or will fade away, but something which is reliable. Moshe's faith was unwavering. Moshe Rabbeinu is b'chol beisi ne'emanhu. Hashem says, you know, all these other people, they have a lot of lip service they give me. Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem, Chaste Hashem, Be'ezrus Hashem. They talk about me all day long, and then they go to work, and they're ruthless. And then the stock goes down, and they want to know where I am. Then they encounter a little hardship, a little trouble, a big trouble, and they totally uh, bail on me. Kosh Baruch Hu says the rest of the world, they say one thing with their lips and they do another thing in their action. But Bechol Beisi, but in all of my entire world, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's Ne'emanhu. He's reliable. He is always there. His trust, his faith in me, his willingness to stick with me, Dveikos, Devek, he sticks with me. He knows I have his back no matter what's going on. Bechol Beisi, of all of my world, Ne'emanhu, he is the most reliable and he is the model, the archetype for us. One of the times the Mashkiach, when Revolba refers to the Mashkiach, he's talking about Rav Yeruchim. One of the times that Rav Yeruchim was in Warsaw, Nafla Alta Bechol Ha'ir. There was a terrible darkness that descended on the entire city of Warsaw. And he had to go down four flights of stairs in the pitch black. It was utterly and entirely dark. Ma'asa, what did he do? 
Hechzik b'ma'akav ayarad. He held on to the railing and he walked down. But Sir Zeish Tamesh Kavur's man the Machish is Koach Amuna Vamar. Sheva Meshach Hachayim Nitzayim Lefamim Matzavim Chashuchim. Vachayavim Litfos B'maka Amuna Laham Shich Lalachas. So after that experience, Rav Yerucham came back and he told the Shiva boys, he said, Amuna is like a railing. See, when the light's on in the hallway, when the light's on in the staircase, you could run up the stairs and you can fly down the stairs and you know the railing's there, but you don't need to rely on it, you don't really need to hold on to it. If you're young and you're spry and the staircase is well lit, you could run up and skip up the steps and you can run and skip down the steps and you're good to go. But you know, in life, in life, sometimes there's a blackout and sometimes you find yourself in a staircase and it's pitch black and you can't see anything and you wonder, where is Hashem? Where's the meaning and the purpose and the order? Where are the reasons? Why is this happening? And in those moments, you are vulnerable to fall down the stairs. It's pitch black and if you try to move, you feel paralyzed, you feel debilitated. You're experiencing such pain, such loss, such hardship, such anger, such resentment, such so many questions, such doubts, such uncertainty, that if you move, if you move, you're gonna fall down the stairs. A big part of my job in my life, and it's a privilege, it's not a pain, it's a privilege, is to help people going through hard times. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that I learned early on and that I try to give often is to people who are in an acute painful situation, could be it health, marriage, finances, fertility, any area of life, get to the end of today. So often a person is projecting out what will be next week and next month and next year, what will be next decade, what will be when I grow old, what will be, how will it be, what will it look like, why will it be, and you know what, you can't. You'll get frozen, debilitated, you'll, you'll collapse, you'll panic. So the whole goal, the whole mission, just get to the end of today. Where do I have to go? What phone calls do I have to make? Who do I have to see? What do I have to get done by the end of today? That's my whole job. And when your mind, when your brain starts taking you to tomorrow, shut it down. Don't let it, because nothing good can come of it. Just get to the end of today. Because the person in that acute situation says, if I try to take one step, I'm gonna fall down the stairs. My world is pitch black right now. I'm in a dark out. I'm in a blackout. And if I try to move, I will fall down the stairs and I will break my neck emotionally. So said Rav Yerucham, you know what you have to do in those moments? That's why there's a railing. So if you spend your time installing a railing in life, then when you're in a blackout in a staircase, you'll have a railing to hold on to, to make your way down. But if you never put in a railing, because you figured the hallway is always going to be lit, and life's always going to be bright, and the sun's always going to shine, and I'm always gonna be young and youthful and spry and be able to jump up the stairs and down the stairs and skip the stairs and hop the stairs. And then, God forbid, you get a little older, God forbid, there's a blackout and there's no railing to hold on to. And so one has to work hard in the good moments and the good times to increase amuna and to flex the amuna muscle and to work that amuna muscle so the railing is there to hold on to. God forbid, if or when the blackout comes, and the blackout comes for everyone because I have a newsflash for you. We've not yet figured out a way to not die. And that means that every one of us is dying. We're dying from the moment we're born, we're dying. Different people at different rates. God forbid some more accelerated, some more young than others, but we're all dying. And when a person lives till their 90s and they pass away, it's terribly sad for those who are left behind, but it's not tragic. I sometimes look with wonder at those who react as if it was a, a tragic infant death. Someone's in their 90s, did we think they'd live forever? It's sad, we should cry, we should mourn, we should grieve, 
but it's not tragic. We're all going to die. So we're all going to encounter, we have not yet healed all sickness. We've not removed it from the umacha dima me'akot. It's one of our hopes and our prayers. It's a prophecy that will live, will merit to live till a time where we can wipe away all tears and erase all illness and disease and achieve an immortality. And mir tzashem, we should be zochet to live to such a thing. But until then, there is sickness and there will be death. So we will all confront blackouts in the staircase. We will. It's going to happen. If we don't believe it will, now to certain degrees and at different times, I'm not equating all the blackouts. Sometimes the lights dim. Sometimes they go out entirely. Sometimes there's a secondary light from the next room. Sometimes they're not all the same, but we will experience it. And if we don't work hard to install a railing, we'll find ourselves stuck in the middle of the staircase in the pitch black, fearful we're going to fall and break our neck. But if we spend our life and our time putting in a railing, we know we can grab onto it and we can hold on to it for dear life and it will guide us down the stairs safely. The goal, the mission, is to absorb as much light in the moments of light so that that light will illuminate the darkness when we find the darkness. When there's light and brightness, when you wake up in the morning and you say, everything's amazing. I have my health and I have nachas and I have simcha. Are there krechts and pains and difficult? Yeah. But on the whole, everything's amazing. And relative to other people and other things, and relative to other struggles, my life is amazing. It's amazing. Well, a doctor, we had lunch with a doctor over Yantif who was talking about how sometimes in the hospital he and another doctor are complaining about something about their car or the new house that they're building and the, the thing they're putting in. Mm-hmm. And he said this, uh, this uh, nurse says, yeah, these are, these are rich people problems. Can't help himself from saying these are rich people problems. And he has enough self-awareness to admit, to say, yeah, I guess they, they're rich people problems. They are. There are rich people problems. And if we have rich people problems, we should... Thank our lucky stars every day that these are our problems, rich people problems, or what we call first world problems. First world problems. Uh, these are first world problems. So says Ravolbi, if we're living in moments where you wake up and you say everything makes sense and everything, such bracha and hatzlacha and nachas and simcha, you know what? Absorb all that light and store it because you know that the dark will come. It does. It comes for all of us. It comes to different degrees and at different times and different levels of intensity. But there's darkness for everyone. And the more that we absorb and store and bank in the times of light and good, the more that we can withdraw, the more it will be there when there's dark. The amuna enables us to stand upright. We hold on to that railing for dear life and it enables us, it gives us a stability it gives us the ability to be upright. You see, if you're in the dark staircase, there's a blackout just when you were walking down the stairs. If there's a railing to hold on to, not only, not only are you not afraid that you won't fall down the stairs, you can retain your simcha. What's not to be happy? You have a, 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 a railing to hold on to. It will guide you. Is it dark? Yes. Is it annoying? Yes. Is it dangerous? Yes. Is it scary? Yes. But if you have a railing, you won't lose your cool. You don't get angry. And you may not even get sad. Because you realize one should be besimcha. 
if one is grabbing onto the railing of Amuna in life and it enables us to stand upright and to guide us out to the light, then one need not get sad. That doesn't mean that there aren't painful moments and we don't shed a tear and we don't endure sadness, but it means that even within the sadness we see a light. Even within the broken heart there is opportunity. Even within the broken heart there is opportunity. Did I share this last week or two weeks ago? I don't remember. Kutzke Rebbe has an amazing expression. The Kutzke Rebbe says, there's nothing as whole as a broken heart. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. It's a very, very deep teaching. It's a very deep idea. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. And I must admit that I never fully appreciated or understood it until I was reading David Brooks's new book recently. And in it, he talks about that when he was, uh, or still is a columnist at a newspaper that we won't name in inside a shul. Um, <laughs> He once asked his readers to write in about the most valuable lesson they learned in life or something like that. And he puts the quote of one of the lessons that his reader sent in, and I still reserve the right to use this in a future shear because it's worthwhile to print in a source sheet for everyone to have. And he writes, uh, he writes the following. In fact, I can read it to you because I have it on my phone and hopefully I didn't just stop the recording to find it. David Brooks. Heart. Hold on, I'm finding it. This person who writes in, here it is. This is what the person writes. Four years ago, my wife of 21 years passed away as a result of a brain tumor. Her passage from diagnosis to death was less than six months. As shocking at that time was, Almost as shocking was the sense of personal growth and awakened understanding that has come from the experience for me through reflection and inner work to a point that I almost feel guilty about how significant my own growth has been as a result of my wife's death. In his book, A Hidden Wholeness, Parker Palmer writes about the two ways in which our hearts can be broken. The first, imagining the heart as shattered and scattered. The second, imagining the heart broken open into new capacity, holding more of both our own and the world's suffering and joy despair, and hope. The image of the heart broken open has become the driving force of my life in the years since my wife's death. It has become the purpose of my life. I found it to be an unbelievably... Can you say the name of the book and the author again? The name of the book is it's David Brooks, and the name of the book, I think, is called The Second Mountain, maybe, something like that. Second Mountain. If you Google it, you'll find it. This passage of this person who lost his wife of 21 years, clearly a relatively young man, young woman, six months after diagnosis, and he describes, a broken heart can look one of two ways. A broken heart can be broken shards, shattered pieces, utterly broken, or a broken heart can be broken open, revealing new capacity and broader feeling and holding more and achieving more. What that broken heart looks like is up to us. There are things that break our heart. Death, loss, collapse, pain, suffering, they break our heart. Do they break it into shattered pieces or do they break it open to new vistas and new feeling? That, he writes, is up to us. I think that's what the Kutzke Rebbe means, that there's nothing as whole as a broken heart. I think that's what it means that the luchos vishivri luchos munachem ba'aron, the aron koda, the aron, the ark of the temple held both the whole tablets, the whole luchos, and shivri luchos, the broken pieces too. We hold on to brokenness because if approached properly, brokenness also yields 
not only sadness, but even the capacity for greater joy. It's, an, to me, a very, very powerful image. And that's what, that's what Ravob is saying, is that a person who lives with Amuna, a person who flexes that Amuna muscle, a person who's installed the railing in their life, in that blackout, in that darkness, in the moment of a broken heart, it can be not shattered into pieces, it can be broken open to new, to new feelings. Beautiful. Beautiful. So the Rebbezin suggests that what it means to have a broken heart in a way that your heart has become open is that you take your pain to help other people. I once gave a drush I spoke about after an RCA convention, and I terribly apologize. I don't even remember his name, and he deserves for me to remember it. He, he visited recently. Um, there was an award given to a chaplain, and he, when he accepted that reward, explained what led him to go into chaplaincy is that when he was young, he had to leave college to come take care of his dying mother. And he sat in the hospital, and he was with her as she faded and left this world. And that experience, he was so lonely and so desperately needed support and guidance and lacked it that he decided he would become a chaplain in a hospital and dedicate his life to taking his own pain and helping other people not experience what he had experienced. That's the notion of having a broken heart and the heart becoming the brokenness of it, opening it to use it to help other people. So that's this theme, is that emuna is that railing, hold on to it, and it enables us to experience the brokenness of a broken heart in a very different way. We tend to think that faith means belief, faith, that there's a creator of the world, and that there was the uh, revelation at Sinai, which we just celebrated. But now, says Revolba, we're studying that the Torah expects of us emuna at a different level. When it comes to emuna and faith, there are different levels. When it comes to the emuna of Avram, it says, that Avram believed in Hashem and it was considered to be charitable. Amalas Kla Yisrael, when the Jewish people were in Mitzrayim were in Egypt, it says, ha'am, the people believed. When it came to the splitting of the sea, we achieved an even yet higher level. As it says, we believed in Hashem and Moshe's faithful servant, who is Bechobesi Neman. Bematan Torah, we got to an even higher level. We have been shown to know that God, Hashem, is God. You know, that's our, we haven't repeated this in a long time. That's our motto, our bumper sticker. That's our sign in our home. We still have a, we have a goal to, to make signs for this that we can carry and put around. We have this tradition of Chaim Valajn, or Nefesh Chaim, that when a person is in a dark place, in a dark moment, when you're looking for that railing, you know there's a railing there, but you're trying to find it to grab onto, you just repeat, says Rechaim Velazhin, or a tradition, Ein od milvado, Ein od milvado, Ein od milvado. There is no one, there is nothing but him. There is no one, there is nothing but him. The Briskarov's testimony, that when he was on the train fleeing from the Nazis, and he was about to be caught, and he said, Ein od milvado, Ein od milvado. I'm sure there were righteous Jews who said, Ein od milvado, who did go to their death. I'm not suggesting that they didn't, 
or that it's as simple as saying od milvado, but he talked about his own experience of saying ein od milvado. So this is atares ladas. This is the level of matan Torah, the greatest revelation, the moment, unprecedented, a paralleled revelation at Har Sinai, So we were shown to know. Now I'll just digress for one moment. It's fascinating that the pasuk doesn't say ataharesa. You were shown to believe. It doesn't show you were shown to believe. The Torah asserts that we can have knowledge of God's existence. Not belief, not faith. The Torah asserts that we can have knowledge. If we simply examine the evidence, we have enough information, compelling persuasive evidence, to have knowledge of God's existence. What is the definition of knowledge? If you look in the dictionary, you'll see that knowledge is an abundance of evidence supporting a thesis. There's no such thing as absolute knowledge of anything. How much scientific knowledge ends up getting reversed, debunked, challenged? We take a thesis, we test it, we have a hypothesis, we accumulate as much, knowledge, as much evidence as possible, and when we have an abundance of evidence, when the evidence is overwhelming, we call that knowledge. And however much knowledge there is that gives us the confidence to drink this coffee and not be concerned it's tainted with poison, however much knowledge we have to cross the street and not fear that we are missing a blind spot of a car coming, however much knowledge we have to be willing to take a medicine that we pick up at the pharmacy and not believe that it's going to kill us, is the amount the exact same, if not more knowledge, evidence, to know that there's a God, that there's a God. We've given talks in the past where we examine some of that evidence. The Torah does not expect you to take a leap of faith. The Torah certainly does not expect you to have blind faith. The Torah says, examine the evidence and ataharesa ladas. If you examine the evidence, now here's the key, you have to examine the evidence objectively. If you, objectively, if you examine the evidence with a bias, if you examine the evidence with a predisposition, if you think that if I conclude that there's a God, that's not really compatible with the life I want to live. So I come into the examining of the evidence, I've already reached my conclusion even before I examine the evidence. You have to be objective and be a blank slate, tabla rasa, when you examine the evidence, and there is enough evidence not to believe, not to take a leap of faith, but to know that Hashem is our God. When we stood at Harsinai with the greatest revelation and we knew with certainty, without a doubt, that there was a God, it was the level of prophecy. Hashem Pasach Hashivas Harakim. God opened the seven heavens. And we saw, palpably, we saw, we felt, we knew, we heard, we experienced, undeniably, with no doubt, that ain't od melvado. At Har Sinai, Kla Yisrael knew with faith, with a basis, that there was an undeniable, absolute, certain God. If someone would tell me right now that you're not sitting in front of me, I would say, you're insane. You're crazy. You cannot convince me. You could spend all the time in the world, use all the arguments in the world. There is nothing you can say to convince me that you're not sitting in front of me right now. Nothing. And that's what we felt at Har Sinai. There was such certainty and absolute knowledge that Hashem was there 
There was nothing anyone could say or do, no argument they could make, which would make Ha Yisrael entertain for a moment that there wasn't a God. Sa'amuna is not binary. This is such an important idea, and with it, I guess, we'll end today. But Amuna is not binary. It's not, you either have Amuna or you don't have Amuna. You're a believer or you're a denier. It doesn't work that way. It's not binary. It's not a switch on or off. It's a spectrum. There are levels of Amuna, and that's okay. We're working our way up. We're building our muscles. It's not all or nothing. It's not binary. And for some people who it's hard to have the highest level of faith, they think if there's only two alternatives, if it's either having absolute faith or no faith, some will therefore choose no faith. So we have to understand and accept and share with others that Amun is a spectrum. There are levels of faith. Kla Yisrael rose, they ascended those levels of faith, and so do we in our lives. We have to understand, if you're not rising, you're slipping back in those levels of faith. But we have to understand that it's not all or nothing, it's not a binary choice. And to be growing in that direction, to be increasing in that direction. Let's finish. Over the generations, you read this Adoros, we have experienced a descent and our amun has become weakened. We have more doubt, more uncertainty, more cynicism, more skepticism. But we have to know that planted firmly inside us, like that nail on the wall that can hold up a painting, planted firmly inside us is that capacity for that amuna, And that's why we are called, the Gemara and Shabbos Tadizayin calls us, we the Jewish people are, it's a great song. We are, we are people who believe, the children of people who believe. And even in that, from where do we derive our belief? Because we are ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. Look at a Holocaust survivor who still believes. Look at our parents and grandparents. Look at others going through hardship and suffering. And if they believe, from where do we draw our amuna? Why are we ma'aminim? How are we ma'aminim? Because we are b'nei ma'aminim. Because when we look at others and we know that in our DNA is not only irritable bowel syndrome, in our DNA are not only the classic at least Ashkenazi genetic diseases, but however much we believe that those genetic diseases are passed down to us in our DNA, also passed down to us in our DNA is our capacity for emuna, is the strength to have that faith. We have a railing. Our ancestors have bequeathed to us strong railings to hold on to and to guide us down during those dark times. Have a great day.